You're listening to the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm your host, three-time Olympian and motivational speaker, Leah Amico. On this show, we're going to dig deep to unlock what it actually takes to build a foundation for greatness. If you're an ambitious person with big vision, but you feel like fear is holding you back, get ready for some major breakthroughs. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast. We are sponsored by Major Media League, and I am very excited to interview Kat Osterman today to have a discussion with my former Olympic teammate, gold medalist, three-time Olympian. I'm going to share just a few stats about Kat before we get started. Kat Osterman was a three-time National Player of the Year, four-time All-American, three-time Big 12 Conference Female Athlete of the Year at Texas. Um, She still holds UT career records and victories with 136 records for ERA shutouts, no hitters, still holds the NCAA record for career strikeout ratio per seven innings, 14.35. Every inning, she was striking out two hitters at least that came up and faced her. Unbelievable. Um, She had a 20-year career with Team USA. She had a 0.44 ERA. That's in the world, people. We need to understand what a big deal this is. Um, She played eight years for an NPF, National Pro Fast Pitch League, and um, retired back in 2015. And then she played for the Pride, the Thunder, um, was MVP. I mean, I can go on and on. She's inducted into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame in 2013, enshrined in the World of Little League Hall of Excellence in 2016. She's the assistant coach. She coached for a little while uh, for Texas State, the Bobcats from 2015 to 2020. And Kat is married to her husband, Joey, and they have their daughter, Bracken, and they live in Texas still. So that was a long list, Kat. (laughs) I am so honored and excited to have you here chatting with me today. What was your favorite memory? I'm just going to start off with that. Like with all those accolades, what was the biggest award that you would say like the most honored you were to get? Well, I mean, I think the, I mean, the best memory by far is 2004, um, and our Olympic gold medal, um, just because I think for me, it was the first time to see an entire process come to fruition. So like just going through the whole process and obviously achieving the goal that we had set out to do individually, the Texas sports hall of fame is a pretty cool honor. Um, I tell people all the time I was excited. I got to sit in between Ricky Williams and Drew Brees while they talked football all night. I had nothing to add, nothing to add to the conversation, but I was just like, Drew Brees is on my left. Ricky's on my right. This is pretty cool. Um, and Shaquille O'Neal was supposed to be in that class. He ended up not coming to the, um, event that night because, uh, the Lakers owner had passed away, unfortunately, like two days before. So he flew out there. Um, but it was just cool to, for not only myself, but softball to be recognized amongst these household names, Ricky Williams, Drew Brees, at least in Texas, Ricky Williams is a household name, but Drew Brees, Shaquille O'Neal, those are household names everywhere. Well, Kat Osterman is absolutely a household name, especially in the world of softball. So I'm excited. I, I want to go back a little bit, but I am excited to just talk about the career that you had and how you literally just got done competing in another Olympic games. You and I played together with each other, winning the gold in 2004, like you mentioned, and then you just were able to compete um, in the Tokyo Olympics. So let's go back a little bit though. I want to know about young cat. I want to know, you know, um, before you were, you know, this superstar, what went into 
you know, training, tell me a little bit, did you fall in love with the sport of softball at a certain age and kind of that, that history? Yeah. So I actually had my first experience with softball in first grade, first or fifth graders were on the same team. Um, it wasn't very fun because you're talking about 10, 11 year olds pitching at five, six year olds. Um, and I actually quit and went and played soccer for about four and a half, five years. Um, I enjoyed soccer. A lot of my friends did it, but I was a goalie and similar to pitching, um, obviously prior to pitching, but similar, you know, I did goalie lessons before, after practice. Um, I studied what it took to be good at my position. However, after a few years, I looked at my parents and was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm bored. Um, when your team's good, the ball's always on the other side of the field. And my team was pretty decent where I didn't get a lot of action. And they always uh, tricked me into being able to play both halves in the goal. They'd be like, oh, we'll start out in the goal and then we'll let you play another position. And then it'd be like a close game. And they're like, oh, we really need you to stay in the goal. It's a close game. And eventually I just told my parents, I was like, I want something that I'm doing more. Like, I just want to be more engaged. Um, my dad suggested trying softball again. And so that was about fifth grade, fourth into fourth grade. Um, he asked if I want to try softball again. I said, sure, why not? Um, playing little league. I enjoyed it. I had some great coaches, um, but we had a couple of rainouts and makeup games and, you know, little league puts rules on how much pitchers can pitch in a week. And our other pitchers had already like exceeded their limits for innings. And so our coach asked, you know, who wants to try to pitch? And I think I was just excited to no offense to outfielders, but at that time, like get me out of the outfield. I think I was chasing butterflies and picking flowers. <laughs> and so, um, I tried pitching and, I know I struck out one of my first two hitters and I think I thought that that was destiny. It meant that I was supposed to do this the rest of my life. Um, Cause yeah, after that game, I asked my dad if I could have pitching lessons for my 11th birthday. And so while I love the sport of softball, um, I think at a younger age, I just truly fell in love with pitching and figuring out how to be as good at that as I could. And the fact that it was a little different than just learning the game. It was, it's, it's a whole, in my opinion, a whole art form in and of itself. And um, I truly enjoyed the intricacies of it as I got older. Yeah. I love that. I, I like how you point that out in terms of um, it's not just the sport as a whole, although you did appreciate that and enjoy that. It really was, what is my role and how do I become the best at what I do? And I can relate to that. I also grew up as a pitcher and took pitching lessons since I was eight years old. And, um, you know, same idea. It was just like, how am I going to be the best at what I do? And eventually I got moved into the outfield later. So, <laughs> and again, like you just mentioned, I'm playing outfield behind Kat Osterman, Jenny Finch, um, you know, Lisa Fernandez, you don't really get a lot of action out there. So, uh, <laughs> so we definitely, but we had your guys's back. Um, okay. Now to go in a little bit to what the gold standard is all about. When you think of, of the, you know, the phrase, the gold standard, what comes to mind for you? You know, I think when you say gold standard to me, it's what are your highest expectations of yourself for you to do day in and day out in order to achieve whatever your ultimate goal is. Um, so it's not just rules. It's like, it's the way you carry yourself. It's how you go about anything and everything. Um, so basically, you know, how are you going to live your life and practice and, you know, anything else that falls in line, if you're not an athlete anymore, like, how are you going to present yourself every day? That's going to help you get to whatever your definition of that top level is. Yeah. And have you seen that play out? Like besides, you know, your experiences on the softball field, but have you seen that play out when you became a coach and in other things you've done in your life? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think as an athlete, we always assume we'll, we'll transition into coaching fairly easy. And then you learn it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother side of the ball game that you have no concept of what all goes in, into it um, as an athlete. But um, slowly, yeah, I had to realize that, okay, if I want to be the best coach that I can be, I have to approach it the same way I did as an athlete. So, you know, what are the priorities to get done each week? Um, how do I want to do them to where I make sure, you know, I get, if it's scouting as much information or the pertinent information um, and just learn, I mean, you have to learn it trial and error, like anything there, there are times that you fall flat on your face and a scouting report might be just the bare bones and you have to go into a game with it. But um, even relating to athletes, you know, you have to, I think it's easier as teammates for whatever reason you can, <laughs> you can gel with whoever, but um I think as a, as a coach, you just have to learn how each athlete clicks and how to communicate with them and how to connect with them. And, and again, trial and error. So, um, but you have to have a standard of who you are and, and how you want to coach and what the standards that you're coaching with are as well. And so it's a whole, you know, it's starting that process over again, if you were an athlete. Oh, definitely. You think about coaches when they start and I would hear stories about coach Kendra and I still kind of got him on the earlier end you know, of his career, but then obviously followed him through so far and people just say how much he would change. And that is one of the things when you mentioned that I, I completely agree. Um, I coached high school, which not obviously collegiate level, um, but some of these athletes went on to play at UCLA and some other top schools. But that is what I found as well. I, I felt the same way when I was in the team and in the mix, it was easier almost to lead from there. And then I had to find new ways to be that great leader, but have to trust and find those leaders within to then try to empower them almost, you know, and I think that's what yeah. great coaches, great leaders do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you have to find the leaders and then empower them, but at the same time, figure out what makes the ones that aren't necessarily the leaders yeah. click to where they're empowered enough, one, to follow their teammate, but two, to buy into, you know, whatever your gold standard for, because you have gold standard for your program trumps everything. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. Like each player and what makes them tick and being able to see it and then you know, work with them in a way and it's not babying them, but instead it's pulling greatness out of them and, and leading by that example. Okay. So we're going to go into this acronym. And so G um, stands for goal setting. And so I want to know for you, like when you were younger, you know, you came up after I did, you're younger than I am. Um, you know, softball wasn't added to the Olympic sport, you know, Olympic family until I was, you know, freshman in college where they said in three years, it's going to be an Olympic sport. Um, how old were you when softball was added to the Olympic games and what goals did you have? Like when you were young and then maybe when you got into high school, did that start changing? When did it become your goal to make an Olympic team? Yeah, absolutely. It changed. Um, so I was 13 when you guys played in 96. Um, and, you know, I, I knew about it. I was playing, I wasn't, I was playing travel ball, but I wasn't like hardcore, like knew what my life was going to be like, like had the goal, you know, it wasn't like, oh, it's in the Olympics. This is what I want to do. Um, not to mention, I was still probably slightly above average as a pitcher. So, you know, <laughs> right now I was still enjoying it, learning it, um, that kind of thing. But I got to, um, probably in 97 or 98, I got to uh, go to a clinic at USF with coach Erickson mm -hmm. and Michelle Smith was actually there. She was, she was helping him put this on. And, you know, my dad took me because she was a left-handed Olympic pitcher. Here I was a lefty pitcher. Like, you know, it's the whole piece. Like maybe if they see it, they can be it kind of thing. I'm guessing was my dad's thought process, or at least 
hey, go see another lefty throw and let's figure out if we can learn something. Um, and I met Michelle and fell in love with it and then realized, okay, college softball is a thing. Um, and that was my goal at first. Okay. College softball, going to play softball in college, which was hard for me because I was a basketball player my entire life. That was my first love. Um, pitching soon trumped that. I don't know that I could love anything more than I did pitching, especially when I was in high school. But, um, so my goal was, was college. Um, at one point talked to my dad about like, how good do I have to be to walk on at Texas? I would love to stay home and play at Texas. Um, unbeknownst, you know, everything was going to unfold. And here I was able to explore so many different schools to try to go to. Um, but my goals slowly changed as I, as I developed and as I grew. And to be honest, you know, yes, in my mind, could I did, was the national team an absolute, it was more of a dream than a goal. Like to me, I was like, Oh, that'd be cool to do one day. And it wasn't until I faced you guys in 2000. Um, when we played on y'all's central park to Sydney tour, um, after that game is when I told my dad, I said, I'm going to be on that team one day, like I'm going to do it. And so, you know, it's cool to think back on not only one that, that event I'm laughing cause it's hanging, our picture together is hanging here on my wall in my office. Um, but just after that game, how I redirected my life, like how I've made my standards and my priorities go towards this is the end goal. How am I going to get there? I literally, I'm listening to you and I'm getting chills and here we were teammates and Kat and I are in this picture right <laughs> behind me too. But I like, I'm getting emotional thinking about it because how old were you when you threw against us um, on that tour? Uh, I had just turned 17. Yeah. And I remember, and, and we faced, you know, this 17 year old lefty who just, her ball was breaking ridiculously. And, you know, I'm, we're thinking, wait, who is this kid? And then it's like, Oh, like backs against the wall. Like we have got to figure this out. And I mean, and we barely beat you guys, right? What, what? Yeah. Like we went, barely. Yeah. We went eight innings. Um, yes. we lost one, nothing. Yes. Of course we didn't touch Lisa. <laughs> I think we celebrated that someone hit a ground out, but, um, yeah, I threw the first five innings of that game and yeah. uh, it was pretty incredible. In fact, I laughed because, you know, Lori Harrigan obviously took me under her wing when I joined you guys, but she always gave me a hard time. She's like, you are such a cocky kid. I'm like, cocky. Like I didn't expect to win that game whatsoever. I was just like pure elation for every swing and miss you got. I mean, and I, and I was a few of those swing and misses, I will admit. Um, but I just, I love hearing and thinking back to where it began. And what I love for me, I talk a lot about my moment, kind of that like game changer. Like I, I, I agree with you, this process of goals. And like you said, when you develop the grows, the, the goals can grow and we grow as people. And therefore our goals can become bigger and higher. And we're willing, when we're willing to put in that work and learn what we need to do. And, and I, that's, it's the same thing for me, Fortin internationals winning. That was what kind of brought about that dream to go to college and then getting the hit off Elisa of and winning the national championship was what brought about, I could potentially be an Olympian. Like that is my goal. So it's just so fun to hear that, that process that happened for you. Okay. So let's go to the next piece and it O stands for overcoming obstacles and it's the challenges and the trials, which I truly believe are what make us stronger and better. If we will not give up, if we will use those learn those lessons that we learn during those times to be better and to, to move forward. So were there challenges along the way? And, and I, I mean, I, I know there had to be challenges, but were, what were those challenges for you that you feel like you had to overcome that then helped you to be even better for it? Yeah. I mean, 
I think a lot of mine were when I was, when I was younger. Um, I started pitching when I was 11, like I mentioned, and within a year and a half, maybe two, um, talking with my dad, we had decided, you know, we're going to try travel ball. We're going to get out of little league and, um, we're going to go ahead and, and go to, I mean, backtrack. I got cut from the all-star team when really they could have added one more alternate spot, but instead they cut one person and it was me. Um, and I think to my dad, you know, I was just upset because I felt like there were girls that I knew made it that I felt like I, I was better than. And, you know, that's always the case. You always feel like you're better than somebody, but I felt strongly about it. And um, so when the next little league season came, my mom actually went to register my brother for baseball and the guys that were taking the paper were like, you're missing an application. And my mom's like, no, just one. And they're like, is Catherine not playing? And my mom's like, she is, she's going to go ahead and we're going to test the waters and travel ball. And it started right then. I mean, I wasn't, yes, I'm six foot now and a tall lanky thing and can sling it. But then I was, I was short. I was little, I was tiny. I mean, skinny little thing. I probably barely broke 50. <laughs> if I was lucky. <laughs> um, but they were like, that's, you know, they've straight up told my mom, that's, that's a mistake. She's going to ride the pine. She's not going to play. You're, you know, you're going to thwart her development, this and that. And, you know, first of all, it's my parents, it's mine and my parents' decision. Um, and, I, you know, I went, I joined a travel team. I didn't play all the time. I got the mop-up innings or the innings when we're way ahead, way ahead, way behind. Occasionally a team that, you know, we thought we would beat well. I got a, I got a start, nothing big, played left field, hit still, um, when, when opportunities presented, but I learned how to, I learned how to earn my spot mm -hmm. and I kept working with my dad and, you know, the coaches were actually very good in the sense that they communicated things. You know, I was brand new on this team that had been together for a couple of years. So it's not like you join and expect to all of a sudden be the star. And to be honest, I did that for probably a year, year and a half. And I still remember it to this day. We were playing a, a pretty good 14 U team and our number one pitcher loaded the bases with no outs and our coach looked and said, are you ready? And I, sure. And I went in and two strikeouts and a pop-up, no runs scored. And that's where I proved my, it proved my, my worth, so to speak, um, as far as on the field goes. And, um, the whole time though, from probably about 13 till I was about seven, 16, um, a lot of people wanted to make comments just because I didn't throw hard and I wasn't very big and things like that. And so I constantly had to hear people, talk down about me regardless of what my performances were and how teams should have been hitting me or can't understand how you don't hit this. It's only coming in there, you know, 54 miles an hour. And I'm over here like, okay, but at that time we didn't have all these gadgets that do spin rate and whatnot. <laughs> but yes. at that point I would have been like, let's see the spin rate if we had had it. Yes. Um, and so I think it could have been easy to give up and it could have been easy to get affected by, by people's comments and, yeah, I'm not going to say that points they didn't hurt or I didn't tell my dad like, hey, did you hear what that coach said? And, you know, we would talk about it and he'd be like, does it matter? Did they get a hit today? Did they get a run today? Like, and I'm, you know, no, but why do they have to say that? And, you know, people are going to say things to make themselves feel better sometimes. But um, I think those were my biggest obstacles growing up. And then I think um, a little bit later, as I got into the national program with you guys, and it wasn't so much as an obstacle, but just a challenge with being so young, um, with all of you that were so experienced and having to learn how to mesh in, um, but at the same time, still be myself and produce the way, um, you know, we expect, I, everyone expected me to do and be able to, to play with you guys. But um, I was fortunate you guys were awesome as teammates. So that wasn't 
too incredibly hard. And you guys probably actually helped me grow up a lot faster um, than I would have in a normal situation. So, but I do know like going into my first national team trial, my, my dad actually traveled with me. I don't know that anybody actually brought their parent <laughs> with them. I know people's parents came because y'all lived around California, but dad and I <laughs> flew out there because here I am three days off of high school graduation. Um, but uh, it was, it was a challenge just for me to have to, okay, you know, you have to grow up, you have to figure out how to be able to work in this environment, even though it's not your age peers kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. The national team is so different because, you know, you think about freshman year in general, right? Freshman year in high school, freshman year in college, and you're just trying to figure it out, but that's only like three year, four year age difference from the oldest players. And now you get to the national team and we're talking 10 years, 12 years, like it is massive. It's such a, a big age gap. I like to tell people about, you know, I was 21 when I made my, the Olympic team and Dot Richardson was 34. And, you know, at the time you think that's so old. And then she's shortstop and getting the winning home run and just has more energy than I could ever imagine. <laughs> so I was thinking, wow, like it is really about what you bring to the table. It is not the age and the experience that you add. And so I want to just camp out there for a second. The Gold Standard Podcast is brought to you by Major Media League. Major Media League is a revolutionary competitive app launching in June 2022. This app gives softball athletes a platform to showcase their skills by participating in challenges and having the chance to win prizes and scholarships. This is also an opportunity to promote your own talent. For all the athletes out there, it's free to join. So go sign up today at www.majormedialeague.com. The link is also in the show notes. You'll be notified when the Major Media League app launches. So get prepared for the unbelievable opportunity that lies ahead to grow your brand as an athlete. You know, maybe talk to me a little bit. You played in two Olympics, you played in the pro league, you had um, a little period of time that you had retired. Maybe tell me, you know, how long you had stepped away from the sport and, and then you came back to go out and represent the United States again in one final Olympics um, in Tokyo. So, you know, maybe take us through that journey a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I retired in August of 2015. Um, I was, as you mentioned at the beginning, coaching at Texas State. Um, and I knew when I got that job, I had talked to Coach Woodard about how long would I play. And I told her I was about ready to hang it up. I knew that to be good, to be as good as I wanted to be at coaching, I was going to have to go all in. So I couldn't continue to balance playing and, and coaching and be half in and half out. And um, you know, just like being an athlete, I'm all in when I'm passionate about something and I wanted to be all in there. And so, um, retired in 2015 and, um, I was fine with it. You know, I was ready to, I keep saying go on with life, but non-softball life or non-playing life, I guess. Um, I had met Joey, we got engaged soon after that. Um, and I coached for two and a half years and, to be honest, in so 2016, it was announced the Olympics would be back for 20. Um, I still wasn't really thinking about anything. And and I joke all the time because Monica Abbott was always like, anytime she saw me or occasionally she'd tweet, she'd be like, hey, think about unretiring, question mark, <laughs> Olympics, question mark. Like, um, and I was just always like, dude, I'm retired. We're good. Like, <laughs> life's nice. Um, and then, you know, Coach Erickson was named as, as the head coach. and. Um, actually Kelly Crutchman came to town because she had worked with me at Texas state for two years and she was coming back to train our new assistant in how to run our video system. Cause okay. Kelly had set it all up and whatnot. 
And she was staying with Coach Woodard. And Kelly had mentioned to me, like, why don't you think about playing again? And I was just like, nah, I don't know. And then I was like, I don't want to have to sacrifice my job. That's the first thing. I was like, I don't want to have to leave Texas State. I love it here. Again, you know, it was a great fit. And she ended up having a conversation. I say behind my back in the best way possible um, with Coach Woodard. And was like, I think Kat would play again, but she won't do it unless you're on board. And Coach Woodard came to me later and was like, hey, if you want to try to play in the Olympics again, that's a different situation. We'll talk about it. We'll figure out how to make it work. Um, and this was fall of 17. So she was like, do you want to play on the 18 national team? I'm like, oh, no, I'm not ready by any means. Like, this is. And so made the decision to play again. Um, felt like, you know, uh, the, the the way 2008 ended and just the fact that we had no chance at at redemption whatsoever. And then at the same time, just knowing that I had an experience that um, I felt I could lend to this team that was going to go to 2020, having been to two Olympics and, and played so many years with the national team. Um, I made my phone calls and Erickson and the committee and everyone was like, you know, there's nothing that stops you from coming back. So um, I actually spent almost a full full year and like three months just training on my own. Um, that was everyone's question. Are you going to go back to playing pro ball? I'm like, well, no, I'm doing this strictly on my own at home. Um, wow. And they all kind of questioned that. And I was like, I'm either going to make it work or I'm not one of the two. And um, again, went all in, but uh, you know, in my heart, the Olympics were, were the only thing I was unretiring for. Um, yes. Fortunate. I got to play athletes unlimited because it fell before and after with the way COVID hit, but mm -hmm. um, to be able to go back to USA softball and and ended on a, I don't want to say a better note, but, you know, walked away in 2010 or 11 um, after we kind of were forced to decide between national team and pro ball. And yeah. unfortunately, no Olympics in sight at that point. Um, a lot of us went and played pro ball um, and that was a great experience. But just to be able to go back and essentially wrap up a career at a place that, you know, it's hard not to call it home with USA softball, because again, I grew up there essentially. I said, if I ever write a book, I'm going to call it growing up and growing old in USA softball. <laughs> I know. I mean, 20 years, a span of 20 years. Unbelievable. What, what, um, so that, that brings us to the next letter, which is L and that's the leadership piece. And, and, you know, maybe talk a little bit about how, like you said, you came in and basically a baby, right? You're just one of the youngest athletes on the team. And, and, and then now you had all these experiences, you know, and you've been in the game. And like you said, because there was that break between 2008 and 2020 Olympics, um, there weren't players who had Olympic experience besides Monica Abbott. Um, and so you could bring that leadership piece as well. So maybe talk a little bit about, you know, that, what did that mean to you on this team? How did you lead from what you knew? Yeah. Um, I tell people all the time, I think when you talk leadership, our 04 team um, probably had every definition of a leader you can imagine. And I always go to the four of you that were, I hate to say older, but the four of you. <laughs> we, <laughs> were, we were, we were all the fat four. Um, you know, you had Lisa who, who obviously led because of what she expected out of everybody and the way she performed and the way she prepared and the way she worked. And then yep. you had Lori, who was kind of the, at least for me, the mother hen, like she took me under her wing. She made sure everybody had everything we needed before we left. Um, Laura, again, another lead by example, because she's going to go be at the front of the mile run every time. Um, and then we had you who was kind of the more vocal, but not demanding just the, the calm presence, but vocally like, okay, let's talk through this. Let's get through things, that kind of thing. And 
it's crazy because you talk, you know, different kind of leaders. I'm like, and we had all four of them. No wonder we did things well. Like we had four people who could easily match and cover every part of leadership you talk about. And um, I think that's what, when I rejoined the national team, I'm never going to be just a lead by example. I like to talk too much. Um, I can admit that. And so I tried to take small pieces from, from each one of you, to be honest, and um, share what the standard had been prior to, um, you know, the fact that we talked about dominating, not just winning, yeah. um, sharing those standards. And then, you know, with the younger ones trying to kind of be like Lori was and Hey, you know, yes, originally they were going to miss school and some of them were getting really sad about it. I'm like, you'll have FOMO. I promise we were in Fullerton, California while my team was in Hawaii. <laughs> like, yes. But at the same time, my team's going to school while I'm in Athens. So Good there's a trade-off perspective. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then just trying to be a voice of reason sometimes and share the experience. You know, I think once the team was named, um, I talked to him about, you know what, you're going to want to remember everything. If I could go back, I would journal every day. And I didn't because I was young and young and dumb, I like to say, but, um, you know, I remember lots about it, but I wish I'd written a lot of things down and, um, telling them to journal. And then the closer to the games we got, people had questions. I remember taking Janie Reed to the airport one time and she was asking me, you know, what is, what is the week over there? Like, and I'm like, it's the longest yet quickest week of your life. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. I'm like longest. Cause every day feels so long. Cause you're the anticipation of playing, but then at the same time when it's over, you like look back and you're like, wait a minute. Was it game one yesterday? Yeah. It, it, <laughs> what it's happened? gone before you know it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So just trying to talk about, you know, what it was like. And this team had their own identity to a certain extent because a lot of them had played together since 2015 and 16. And so um, it didn't want to come in and try to just be like, oh, we need to do things this way because that's how we used to do it. You know, that, that never works. Um, but just trying to be an example of, of the hard work that I am a product of because I played with all of you guys. Um, but at the same time, share those experiences, what worked and and kind of be that middle person, so to speak, and not necessarily demanding this, this, not, but talk, let's talk through it. And, um, I'm, I'm fortunate. I got to learn from so many of you guys and, um, then go back and share it that I hope as this group moves forward, some of them will still hopefully be there. Hopefully we're watching them in LA, um, yes. in seven years and then they, they could do the same thing and, and pass it forward. Yeah. They could be the leaders in that, you know, that time. Tell me, um, just, kind of the first that thought that comes to mind when you think of a coach and the best quality a great leader as a coach can bring to the table. If there was one, you could say that maybe for you, cause it might be different. Like you mentioned, there are different styles and it kind of hits different parts of us and pulls out different things. So for you personally, maybe what's the most important quality that you felt like a great leader had? I think for me, it, the, it's the communication piece. So it's clear, concise, to the point communication. Um, and I think back to every coach that I've connected with, there was never a time that I was left. I left a conversation confused mm. or wondering what the point was, or even spending 20 minutes going around in a circle before we get to the point. Um, and I think with that though comes, you know, your standards are clearly defined yes. because of the, because of the communication piece. Um, you know, I bit fortunate, high school basketball coaches were that way, which those are probably, I just did a talk for our high school coaches association here in Texas. And I mentioned her a lot because 
I felt like in that point in my career, that was the most impactful coach just because of how she communicated. Mm. Um, and it doesn't mean that she didn't, you know, yell at me and get on me and occasionally tear me down. But when she did, she built me back up with communication. And, mm. and then I look, you know, talked about coach Candrea too. Like when he talks, you know, exactly the way he feels, <laughs> you know, exactly what he wants you to do. And you know, exactly like the point he's making. Um, and I think anytime you can get in that, that type of communication, it just helps everybody because nobody's wondering, you know, what does he mean or what do I need to do? I, I have to agree with you. Communication is crucial. And there are some poor communicators out there. And sometimes they resort to yelling or demeaning, thinking they're trying to bring out the best out of athletes. Or like you just said, maybe it's not even clear. Maybe the athletes are trying to please the coach and thinking they're doing what the coach is asking of them, but it's, it's just not clearly defined. And therefore they're not able to meet at the same place. So I, I agree from my experiences that it, it is so beneficial and so, so crucial, no matter if it's on a softball field or if it's in a boardroom or whatever, even in a home, right. As parents and us allowing our children to know what our expectations are and, you know, just to have that kind of unity and, and things to go well. And so when, you know, when it's not reached, then again, you can deal with it that way as well. I, I'm sure you're, yeah. <laughs> you're learning that as well. <laughs> I am. I am <laughs> just don't leave anything up to interpretation. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. So let's go to uh, the letter D, which is the dedication and drive. And, you know, obviously I, I believe that as Olympians, all of us had a passion. And maybe if you go to a college level, you probably have a lot that do if they're reaching that level, but maybe some that don't. And then high school, probably a lot that, you know, maybe that drive isn't the same, but, but that dedication piece, I think the discipline, the focus, the habits, the behaviors for you, what would you say were maybe the, the top two things like on a daily basis that helped you to train as an elite athlete. It's, it's more than skill, right? Because you have skill, but it's work ethic and what goes into it that prepared you. So what were those top two things I would say in your behaviors that, that played into you being a gold medalist? Yeah, I think, well, one, I, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but I know for a fact, especially once I entered college. So obviously by this point I've played you guys in 2000 and I knew what I wanted. So every day I asked myself the question, like, what's going to get me there? And, um, I made decisions in college that solely revolved around the fact I wanted to do my best to try to make that 2004 Olympic team. Um, I thought 2004 was going to be a long shot, but I was going to try just because of my age again. Um, but I asked myself that every day and made decisions based on that. Um, and then the second piece was just also, knowing that I, I would have no regrets if I, if I just gave my all to it. So I think buying into doing whatever it took and then asking myself almost every decision, is this going to help me? Um, you know, there were Saturdays that people were choosing to go socialize and go do some other things. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to the field. And they're like, the whole team's over here. I'm like, I'll go throw to a net. That's fine. But like, I knew for myself, I didn't want to take two Saturday and Sunday off. Like we didn't practice on the weekend. So, um, which I learned is not the case in every, every program. Thank you. Coaching. <laughs> I got into coaching. It's like, we have practice on Saturday. I'm like, we practice on Saturdays. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but I knew for me to be the best pitcher I was going to be, I couldn't take two days off in a row. And so I would make time or ask somebody to come on a Sunday if that's when I chose to throw. And, 
um, you know, made decisions to, I would go hang out until 10 PM and then go home and go to bed and, um, just making the decisions that were best for me and not worrying about what anyone else was going to say or think. And I feel like truly, you know, I was probably a lone wolf in that regard, um, within my, within my own team, but they all also understood that I really had big dreams. So I think asking yourself your why, what's the carrot that's dangling in front of you and remind yourself of it daily. Um, and then to do whatever it takes. And if that means you're going to be an oddball, who cares? And I love that because that's the drive piece. Like, why are you doing it? And then the, it, it gives you that drive. It gives you that piece of this is my why. And it really loops around back to the G, which is the goal. What was the goal? What is the vision? Where do you want to end up? Right. And, and even the belief, like the belief that you're capable. I'm, I'm such a big, you know, um, supporter of like, you have to believe it. You can't just think, Oh, I hope one day. No, it's like, I believe it. So therefore I'm going to to work. Like you said, it might be a long shot, but I'm going to do my part. And then I'm going to see and let it, let it fall, how it's going to fall. And, And I'm with you on thinking of those times for me, it's the story I tell when Jake was two and it was right before, you know, it was our Olympic year. And, um, you know, I remember kissing him on Christmas Eve morning. I had to go get one of my runs in for time and nobody's out there. I'm on this field. And, you know, when I got back, okay, great, let's go celebrate Christmas Eve. But we, in our hearts, we knew like, if we're going to win the gold medal, we know Japan is out there, you know, practicing eight hours a day. (laughs) We know Australia (laughs) and China and all these teams, they will do anything to get that gold medal. And we, we have this higher standard. I love everything you've been sharing today, Kat. Um, Just to kind of wrap us up, you know, what would be your three gold keys that you would say to athletes today that they really can focus on um, to be their best and live by the gold standard? Oh, three keys. I think one, you can, I mean, I like to say you have to, you have to work hard and you have to like to work hard. Um, It's, it's hard to work when, when it's, I mean, you have to work hard when it's hard to work. It's just plain and simple. And that example you just said, Leah, is it, you know, who, who really, I mean, most people probably like, oh, it's Christmas Eve. I can skip my run. (laughs) Like, but we could, we didn't, we couldn't, in our minds, we couldn't. So liking to work hard when it's hard to work. um, That's number one. Um, That's going to keep you driven Two. Keep your goals in mind and allow your goals to grow with you. Um, I think we hit it on the head talking earlier. I like that the girls grow. I love when 10-year-olds say they want to be an Olympian. Like, great. I want you to dream to be that one day. What are the goals to get there in the meantime? Yes. Yep. Um, because sometimes too, I think lofty goals when you don't know what it takes sometimes derail people and we get kids that quit, or you know, they think they're a failure because they didn't get to you know, a power five school. Well, that, that doesn't necessarily mean you're you're a failure whatsoever. So, um, keep your, keep your goal in mind, set goals to get to the ultimate. Um, and then lastly, I mean, you have to love what you're doing (laughs) quite like, I mean, none of us have gotten there without loving what we're doing. And it doesn't mean we love going out for time runs. It just means we love the outcome of when we actually get to play on the field that we'll do the time to run. If it means we're going to be better on the field. Yes. Yes. And, and I just feel blessed and fortunate to have played with you, Kat, and to have loved the teammates that we had, you know, we, I loved what we did. I loved representing the United States of America, but I really loved each and every one of you. And I I love that we were so different and that we, you know, and that we could come together for a common goal with the different strengths that we had and um, just support each other, you know, on that journey. So I just have to say before we, you know, get off that 
Kat, you were the hardest <laughs> pitcher for me to face out of all the, you know, all the pitchers. And we had the best, of course, in the world. Um, but lefty on lefty and Kat, I mean, her ball broke as much as anyone. And, and, and you kind of alluded to, you know, the speed thing. And I think it's so important for people to find what your strengths are and not let the, the outside noise distract you. Because if you went to just your whole goal was to throw 70 miles per hour only, you probably would not have been this phenom and this superstar that you were because you used your gift and you made the ball break as, as much as any pitcher out there in the world more than that. And, um, and so I was very thankful to be your teammate and not have to <laughs> play against you. Um, when we only scrimmage when we only played against each other when it didn't matter. <laughs> just scrimmaging. And that was hard enough or at, or at Olympic tryouts. And I'm like, yeah. all right, I got to move all the way up because this ball moves so much. And if you get ahead of me in that stinking curveball, I'm just, Oh, I would break so far. <laughs> So, well, thank you so much for um, coming you. on the gold standard podcast. And, um, I just look forward to everybody kind of hearing your, your journey and your story of where you started. And, and it's all about working hard and pressing on and overcoming, and then you never know where you might end up. So it just, it was an honor to have you on today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you and all you've done. You were an amazing teammate and, uh, I'm fortunate that I still get to walk life with you. Yes, me too. Thanks for joining us on the Gold Standard Podcast. We'll see all of you next time. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Gold Standard Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. You can post on social media and tag at Leah20USA or use hashtag Gold Standard Podcast. Make sure you also subscribe so you get notified each week as a new episode releases. You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We appreciate your reviews as they help encourage others to listen in. Until next time, live out the gold standard and keep turning your goals into reality.